Sales Tuners, Episode 8. Todd Capone, Senior Vice President of Sales at Power Reviews. The objective of each step of the sales cycle is to get to the next step. And as cheesy as that sounds, reps will lose control of deals because they're not getting on the customer's calendar. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody's hands go up. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Michelangelo, who said, the greatest danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. Today, I get to talk with Todd Capone, who's the Senior Vice President of Sales for Power Reviews, a SaaS ratings and review and question and answer software. He told me he's a self-proclaimed geek for sales education, sales methodology, and buyer psychology. Todd has built a sales organization at three different companies and is the former American Business Stevie Award winner in the category of Worldwide Vice President of Sales of the Year. Quite a mouthful, but very impressive. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. A big thanks goes out to the team at Okta for helping make this podcast possible. We all know that a better sales process creates a better buying experience, and Okta is transforming the way sales documents are created, distributed, and tracked. Check out a demo at Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com. All right. Be sure to check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash Capone. But now let's get to the conversation where Todd tells me how his love for experimentation bleeds over into home automation. I'm a technology nerd and a total nerd for personal and home technology. Uh, We've got multiple Nest cameras. I wear a Fitbit. Uh, we've got the thermostats and the Wi-Fi security and the Amazon Echoes. And I just, I love toying around with new little home toys like that. So uh, that's an element that might be missing from my bio, but I love to experiment. So you're not one of those people that are afraid of somebody coming out with an FBI surveillance fan parking in front of your house and uh, <laughs> hacking into all that stuff in our <laughs> No, no, not at all. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Take me way back right before we go. Like, how did you get into sales? Talk to me about that story. You know, um, my dad had been in sales for 40 years and just, you know, every day coming home from work, big smile on his face, telling about the different stories that he had. He was selling uh, corrugated moving boxes. So I always had a garage full of those. But, um, you know, going to college, I went to Indiana University, uh, majored in marketing because I I had a pretty good idea that selling was where I was going to go. And uh, my first job in college was selling for the IU student newspaper. And so it was, it was really kind of outlined as I was growing up, watching my father do it and do it in a way that he loved it. And uh, he was obviously able to provide for us and, and all of that. So uh, that was the way. I, I hope with some of those corrugated boxes, you were making some awesome soapbox derby cars. No, I but I could uh, put together a folding moving box faster than like my dad used to time me. I could put together one in like eight seconds. 
That's impressive. That's that, <laughs> useful and very impressive. Yes. Now, you also told me, you know, we, we were talking a little bit offline, and you had uh, kind of been an average bag-carrying, quota-carrying sales rep, uh, but you just had this notion that you were going to be amazing at being a sales leader. So you you kind of set your career to the side, and you went into sales training. Talk to me about that transition and then how that brought you back into the tech world and into a leadership role. Yeah. I mean, at the time I was just kind of meandering around in my career as a sales rep. And I, I remember we had just been trained. Uh, we had an external firm come in and train us. And I went and talked to a, a buddy of mine and just said, man, like, how do I get moving here in my career? And he said, you would be a fantastic sales trainer. Yeah. So I, I dropped everything. I, I invested everything I had in buying a sales training franchise. And then I ended up taking an independent but my passion has always been technology. And when given the opportunity to come back in that world, I, in, I guess it was, uh, what, 2006, I jumped on that. And, you know, that experience as, you know, running a sales training business, running any business, but then going in and being able to evaluate and help coach 20, 30, 40 different companies and learn what works and what doesn't, apply different things, be able to get in and get out has I think it's 10 times better than getting an MBA, at least it was for me, but it just helped me propel my career to be able to uh, go in and add value to these organizations. So uh, I, I highly recommend that if you're kind of stuck in your career, take a risk, take a chance. If you know where you want to go, uh, figure out that path and just go do it for a couple of years. You can pop back in and, and the, the rewards from that are amazing. Well, it's definitely done something for you. You've now, for the last 10 years, been scaling organizations. You've been through an IPO and an acquisition with Exact Target. You, I think you, you said you've taken power reviews from seven reps to now more than 40. Uh, what, so talk to me, you know, as I, we talked about this from a uh, segment standpoint of the show, we talk about the behaviors, attitude, and techniques. And so as we move, Todd, into the behaviors, this is just what you do. What does this sales process today for you look like? And I think I'm going to ask two different questions here. What does it look like for you, meaning one of your reps at Power Reviews, but also what does your sales process with your salespeople look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, we always look at sales process in terms of the buying journey, right? So when I'm talking to reps and when I'm thinking about it at the highest level, we think about it in three categories from a buying journey perspective. We need to get that customer and their behavior to show that they are interested in changing. And if they're not part of our sales process is how do we get them to that why change moment? Then once we do, uh, we then go to the why us stage. So yeah, they've determined that their status quo isn't sustainable. So now they need to determine that going the path of power reviews or whichever company I was with at the time, um, why that's the right choice. And then once we get past that, it's why now? And we get into contracts and we get into budgets and the cost of not doing something. So we always think about our selling activities aligning with those stages in the buying journey. And we use the buyer behavior as our status indicator. Does that make sense? It does. I'm going to ask you to go deeper, though. So let's focus maybe in on this why change. What are some of the things that you're doing in that stage of the sales process? And what are those conversations like to get them to identify why they should change? Yeah, it's so much of it comes to my whole philosophy around how we build the sales organization. And that's really about being a learning culture that uh, my entire team, I think every single one of them has a thirst for learning. And part of that is 
when we learn, then how do we become teachers to our customers? And so often we'll go in and a customer will be fine with the status quo, no matter how many opportunities maybe they're missing. And so our role as salespeople oftentimes is to go in and, and teach right out of the gate and say, hey, uh, love what you're doing. I mean, one of the great things about Power Reviews technology is it sits on their website. So we can actually see the things that they're doing well and maybe things that there might be opportunities. So our rep can call and say, hey, we'd love to give you a little free consulting and uh, talk through two or three things that we kind of refer to as the art of the possible. But hey, there's some things that maybe you could be doing better and we'd love to talk to you about it. And then once that happens, we get into that teaching and kind of consulting mode with the client to a point where they finally realize that, you know what, you're right, I'm missing out on opportunities doing what I'm doing today and uh, we should dig in further and figure out whether or not power reviews can help us take us uh, to that next level. Got it. Todd, I, I've heard you talk before about you've got the five F's, right, of how to drive revenue capacity and, and scale growth. I'd love for you to talk maybe a little bit about that, but specifically, you know, once you have fielded the team, you, you, you're still growing, but you've built that team. As we look at the focus and fundamentals, what does that mean? What are you looking for on a weekly basis uh, from your, your highest performing reps? Yeah, I mean, the, the five Fs, just so everybody uh, knows what they are, uh, you know, the first thing we do in building a new org is we figure out where we're going to focus. And then the second thing is to build a field to be able to attack that focus. And then to your point, the third thing is how do we uh, practice the fundamentals? Uh, the fourth one is how do we create an environment where we can forecast the business? And then the fifth one that's overarching to all of it is how do you create a fun environment where people want to be there? And so your question about fundamentals, you know, there's some basics that we need to do right every single time. And those basics are things around just basically our, what, what I call our presentation choreography. So how do you create a choreography where you can present to a client and teach them without ever making the customer feel like, wow, this guy just told me that I suck, right? It's how do you create a environment where they want to listen and they want to learn and then they end up building a trusted relationship with you? So the presentation choreography is one. We also teach a really simple way to negotiate. It's the, uh, you know, the Todd Capone 10 minute negotiation skills class. But fundamentally, it's how do we discuss pricing at the beginning? How do we include it in a proposal? And then when we get to the event of the negotiation, it becomes 100 times easier so there's two or three really simple things that we teach our reps that they can wake up in the middle of the night and have no problem being able to tell you exactly how they're going to do it. And when we get those things right, we can get to some of the harder skills later. But those fundamentals are things that across the board, our reps are taught to do right and they see the rewards from doing it. So it just kind of uh, piles onto itself. It's kind of like the, the Vince Lombardi statement, gentlemen, this is a football Right. And talking to <laughs> professional athletes, which is breaking it down to the lowest common denominator every single time and, and not trying to get fancy. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. This might be more of a, a technique question, but I want to ask it here. So, you know, you, you've told me there, in, in your space, there's really you and one other you know, big player. And so if someone's talking maybe to your competitor, they're also going to want to see what you guys are doing and vice versa. Right. So how do yeah. you, especially in the SaaS uh, space, get away from um, I'm going to call it the, you know, show me a demo clown. Uh, I just, I hate that, right? That everybody just comes and just show me a demo. I, I don't need to have your sales conference. Just show me a demo. How do you get your reps to get past that? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the fun thing about our technology, like I mentioned, is it sits on companies' websites. So we're in the space where we help companies collect and display ratings and reviews and answer customer questions on their site. So the great news, when the customer asks us to do a demo, we can point them to you know five, 10 different companies and say, hey, go to you know crocs.com and whirlpool.com and you know on the Glaxo page for excedrin.com, check, check that out. And so we can actually point them to all of those different areas so that we get away from having the demo because they can actually see it. And then we focus the conversation back on, hey, if what you want is ratings and reviews and Q&A, we can do that. You can clearly see that. Let's talk about what's possible for you and how you become great. And we always go back to that. And, and man, like these customers, they want to learn and they want to get better. And uh, they love free information and we're willing to share it. And oftentimes that leads to a really trusting type of relationship. So we don't get stuck in that. Uh, this is why we're awesome. We focus more on this is how you can be awesome. It makes sense. I just I feel like there's a lot of reps out there that get they they do get stuck, and uh, you know the the prospect would say, "Hey, look, I've looked at all your competitors. I just want to see how you click this button or what the color of the button is in your <laughs> software." And it's just it's frustrating. So I love to love the way you position that. Todd, I'm going to move us on to uh, the attitude portion. And, and attitude for me is this is just simply how you feel about what you do. So before we even get there, uh, talk to me. You know, you've sold deals over you know many many different price points. What does a deal look like for you today uh, from an average contract value standpoint? Yeah, I mean, right in this environment, we've purposely created. We've got a technology that serves all markets. So I've created a sales organization to serve all markets. So you know, we are doing six and seven figure deals. And then I've got a, a whole team that's focused on the four and five uh, figure deals. So it, it, depending on what hour of the day it is, I'm having a conversation about a completely different type of deal structure. And do you see any difference in the reps? And what I'm getting here, I'm going to lead you a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to get into a mental belief around money. But uh, do you see any difference in the mental belief of your reps doing the four and five figure deals versus those doing you know, five and six, uh, seven figure deals? In terms of their compensation or in terms of just kind of their behaviors? Sorry, yes, their behaviors and how, you know, how they introduce price, how do they talk about price, how they negotiate around price, that kind of concept. Yeah, I mean, what we've tried to do is we've hired some really senior enterprise reps to drive the deals that have multiple buyers over longer sales cycles, complex negotiations and big dollars. And uh, so we've created an environment for them to be successful. And then at the, the what we call our corporate level, what we've tried to do is create um, an environment where they can go in, they can look at a customer's website and see maybe two or three opportunities for them to improve basically off of a checklist. And then we drive them to do one or two call closes as a result. So they teach, they tailor, they take control of the opportunity, and then they go close it. And uh, they're trying to do these, you know, these higher velocity, smaller dollar amount deals. And their behavior you know, in the, that corporate side is really high energy and uh, excitement and a thirst for learning and a thirst for teaching, you know, whereas the enterprise reps are more about, um, you know, how do we drive the sales process over this long period of time and do it in a way where we're, you know, building that really trusted uh, environment. And, and that takes so many touch points and so many buyers that, uh, that the sales are completely different. I heard you're bringing some uh, challenger sale lingo out uh, in that answer. I like it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm a, uh, a huge fan of the challenger sale. It, 
really thinking about it, not just in terms of challenger, but you know, my philosophy is more a combination of what we would call value selling mm -hmm. and and insight driven selling, which was, I think, best described in the challenger sale book. Todd, I want to dive in because you, you've you done sales training on your own. You're now a sales leader. So coaching obviously plays a big role in this. What do you think the biggest difference is between how you coach and maybe it's twofold, but how you coach or how your sales team wants to be coached from the highest performing sales reps to those who, you know, they're, they're maybe hitting their numbers, but they're, they're maybe faltering a little bit below the line. What's the difference in coaching those two types of players? That's a really good question. I think, you know, inherently you can tell if somebody has what, what I refer to as the thirst for learning. Right. When we're interviewing uh, reps to bring them on board, the, the first two things we look for is, will they fit the culture? Because uh, we all have to spend an awful lot of time together. You know, we better love what we do, who we do it for and who we do it with. And then number two is we the, the question that if anybody's listening to this before they come in for an interview, I promise you, I will ask this question is what do you do to get better? What kinds of things do you read? What do you listen to? Uh, what kinds of activities do you do? And the ones that have really good answers to that typically prove to me that they've got that thirst for learning. And that's the difference, right? When we're coaching somebody who is great and wants to get better, you see it. If you see somebody who is performing great but doesn't want to get better, then that great performance isn't going to last very long. And those, those kind of um, mediocre performers um, – you know, most of them see the opportunity to get better because we've created this this learning environment for them. And, um, you know, if they if they don't want to learn, they're probably not going to last very long in this environment. But that's the difference that we're always top performers. I hope that a potential uh, interviewee doesn't uh, uh, take what I'm about to say away. But what's the best answer you've had to that question? Oh, gosh, I've had so many. I mean, I've had some really horrible answers to that <laughs> we, uh, we could talk about. But um you know, everybody has a different learning style. I, I think, you know, as you talked about in my, my uh, bio, that I am huge into psychology and how psychology relates to sales. And so I know that everybody learns a little bit differently. And so what I'm looking for are those individuals who, um, you know, they can name the books that they've read or the podcasts that they refer to, the industry magazines that they read. It's typically a combination of those things. And as long as they're doing those things, and in some cases, they might bring up a book that I've recently read, and we can have an intelligent conversation about it, that's amazing. And those are the best answers. Yeah, yeah it, it's so critical. I mean, continuing education, and, and that doesn't mean a classroom. So there's so much stuff you can feed yourself with, including uh, podcasts even. So, uh, well, I'll tell you, and, and just one thing to add to that, um, I owned a sales training company. I've been doing this a long time. And a month ago, I went to an all-day executive sales retreat um, with a bunch of other companies, sales leaders. And so it never stops and it never will stop. I've got a stack of books on my desk right now, so I'm constantly reading. And so, yeah, I mean, advice for everybody that this is a career. It's not just a job and that that ongoing thirst for learning can never go away. Totally right. You, you, you've said that thirst for learning multiple times. And yeah. uh, so... Beyond that, beyond the coaching, let's flip to the other side. What do you think is the biggest thing that holds a salesperson back from hitting their goals? You know, um, the one thing that I think is really important to point out is that you're going to lose. 
a rep that understands that they're going to lose and takes that as an opportunity to learn versus an opportunity to get desperate with the active sales that they have in their pipeline today is the difference. I've seen more reps that get into this cycle of, it, it becomes like a, a, a slump, you know, to make a sports analogy, that when that slump starts to take hold psychologically, they get into a desperation mode. I think just any rep accepting the fact that you're going to lose and learning from those, that's the difference. The, the, the reps that go down that path of desperation typically cannot unwind themselves from that. Got it. Todd, I'm going to take us now to the, the technique portion, and this is the how you do what you do uh, point. I'm going to start with, with objection handling, but you know, you talked about some, some stages. Uh, why change? Why us? Why now? And, and that process. A lot of the people who've listened to some of the early shows here have said, hey, w- what are some of the, the objections that they're actually getting and how are they handling? So I want to ask, like, what's your favorite objection that you deal with and, and how do you respond to it? Well, in our space, there's, uh, there's a couple, but um, gosh, there's one that's pretty technical, so I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but it has to do with, you know, in the ratings and review space, a lot of brands, so let's say Whirlpool, they don't sell refrigerators on their site, but they collect ratings and reviews, and they want to, when they collect them, have them show up where people buy it, which is the Home Depots and the Best Buys of the world. And so there's something called a syndication network. And there's only a couple of companies that do it. And there's a threat that maybe one of those companies is going to shut the other one out. And so we get that one all the time. And it's kind of a ridiculous one because the retailers want the content. Sure. And so it's really, really easy to address. But the thing that I always advise people is don't pounce. Uh, regardless if you've heard the objection a hundred times, always you know, get ahead of the predictable ones, which we do in many cases, but don't assume you understand what that objection really means. Make sure that you ask a couple of questions, even though your answer to it might not change, just make sure. And that's something that we really try to drive into our sales org. When an objection comes up, seek to clarify, take a second, take a deep breath, and then address it. Uh, Don't just pounce. It's definitely part, I mean, part of the tailoring portion of, uh, the, the challenger sale is like, you know, make it sound like it's the first time you've heard it and completely put it in their world. I, I love that, that you're doing that. It's so, it's so true. Um, yeah. you know, it, you, you kind of alluded to this already, but if there are objections that you're constantly getting, what I heard you say was you guys like to get out ahead of those as opposed to just let them come to you. Um, why is that? Well, I just, it diffuses them before they ever become objections. So, so often, it does a couple of things. When you go psychologically, when you can go into a situation and know what's on the customer's mind, whatever you talk about and whatever approach you take to positioning your company, you know that that's on their mind and that's actually what they're thinking about. So get that out at the beginning. Like, you know, always the, if you think there's an elephant in the room, there probably is, let's get that out. And so that's number one. And then number two is then when the the competitor comes in and tries to present against it, they're in a much harder position, right? Because the customer can almost joke about it and go, oh, really? Oh, that's that's not true. And it becomes a, uh, you know, a, a real selling point to show as a sales rep that you're an expert and you're a consultant. And yeah, this comes up a lot, but um, you're helping the customer to diffuse the situation both so they can listen to you 
but also it helps you in positioning against the competition when they come in and try to reinforce something that the customer now knows is not true. I, Todd, as you were bringing that up, all I could think about was uh, Exact Target. I know you know you, you're a former Exact Target, uh, Orange Culture as well. But uh, you know, in the very early days of Exact Target, one of the things that they did was they wrote the RFPs, and so that got them a lot of huge deals because their competitors essentially had to match up against a scorecard that was written by Exact Target. Yep. It's the same, in a similar capacity, it's the same thing you're positioning. It's like, you know, look, we're going to get out ahead of all of these. And so then now when the competitor has to answer the same question, they can't or or you know it's wrong when they say it. So extremely powerful um, when you can do that in, in the process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're when we think about that, um, you know, why change piece, where we'll go into a customer and give them some ideas and paint the vision for the future. In some cases, especially at the big end, we'll encourage them to go to RFP. And then provide them, you know, the pieces to make that process easier. That's a technique that I just, I'm a huge fan of and it, it absolutely works. Yeah, absolutely. So continuing down that line of just the process, you know, again, you're coaching at all different uh, levels inside of your organization because you're selling to small retailers and large retailers. Talk to me about the, the most common thing that you see your reps do or, or any reps over your career, but the most common thing you see them do to lose control of the sales process. Maybe in your weekly coaching session, they say a couple of things and you know exactly where it's going and now you're, you're, you're jumping in with them. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I'll take you to one of the things that uh, I'm sure in your teachings you've taught a lot too, but we make a joke about it is the objective of each step of the sales cycle is to get to the next step. And as cheesy as that sounds, reps will lose control of deals because they're not getting on the customer's calendar. I mean, the, the, the best evidence that a customer is truly engaged is their willingness to put you in their calendar for another discussion. And when oftentimes we will have a great meeting where we're high-fiving in the lobby, but our next step to that customer is, hey, we'll call you next week. And that like that drives me crazy because then you end up, um, you know, when next week comes and you call them, they're not prepared. You miss their call. Your sales cycle drags on. And every day that your sales cycle drags on introduces more risk that something could happen to throw off your deal. And so as simple as it sounds, again, when we talked about fundamentals, you know, one of those things that we teach and make sure that reps do is ask for time in their calendar because that's your evidence of an engaged customer. And when you don't get it, let's figure out what's happened and how do we strategize to keep the momentum going. As that deal cycle keeps going, eventually, uh, you said the risks come up, but eventually you get unlimited access to voicemail. You can call and leave one whenever <laughs> you want. So That's right. Yep. Uh, Todd, one of your other Fs was, was fun. What does that mean for you and, and how, how are you getting your reps to, to have fun in your culture? Yeah, it's just one of the things I'm really proud of at Power Reviews is we've had almost 0% voluntary turnover, meaning that That's amazing. Reps, yeah, I mean, reps are, are not leaving on their own. And it's not like every rep is hitting their number. You know, we've got a lot of the similar percentages that many companies have where it's not everyone. But reps, we surround them with just we try to surround them with good people that they want to be around all day, which is a big one. We hire leaders that are truly leaders and not managers um, that are important, you know, that are uh, prioritizing, you know, creating that fun environment. But again, teaching and encouraging and encouraging, hey, if you lost the deal, awesome. That means you're working, right? Um, 
let's figure out what we did there and let's figure out what our learnings are so that we can make sure that next time is not like that. And so, uh, you know, there are fun things that we do. You know, we do happy hours. You know, we're going to do a Halloween party and, you know, all that kind of stuff that I think everybody does. But so much of fun is about creating an environment where reps feel like they can learn, they can make money, and that at the end of their tenure at Power Reviews, they can honestly look back and go, you know what, I am better at what I do now than I was when I started. And that every six-month period, they can look back and say that. I think that creates a fun environment when people think they're getting better. Absolutely. It goes back to that thirst for, for learning that you talked about, but, but goodness, yeah, and, and being able to compete with other people in a fun way and continuously improve their game. I think it's incredible. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, there's a couple at the, the beginning when we first got rolling, when we closed a couple of our big deals. I mean, there was piles of reps in hallways celebrating. Like That's we, awesome. we saw, and we do, we've got the old school bell, but wow. I mean, we, we compete against each other, but that is trumped all day long by succeeding as a team and celebrating as a team. And everybody in there feels like they're part of a family. And when somebody does well, we're celebrating with everybody. That's right. That's awesome. Todd, I'm going to take a, a quick break to thank our sponsors, but uh, we're going to come back for the money round. So Todd, you don't go away and sales sooners, don't you go away either. Sales sooners, Octave has built a sales productivity platform that streamlines the workflow for creating and managing your sales documents. Everything from presentations and quotes to all of your proposals and contracts. They can pull data from your CRM, CPQ, and ERP systems, saving you time and accelerating each sales opportunity. Octave has been around since 2010 and now serves more than 400 organizations. I'm talking global enterprises, guys, like GE and Siemens, national brands like Angie's List and FedEx Office, and even industry innovators like Double Dutch and Lindemood Bell. You've got to check them out. Go to Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com to learn more. And hey, during your demo, be sure to tell them you heard about them on the Sales Tuners podcast. We are back and it's time for the money round. Todd, are you ready for the money round? I couldn't be more ready. Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? It was taking a chance. It was taking a chance on getting out of just being a sales rep, sell everything I had and go buy a sales training company. If you were to start over today, what would you spend the next 30 days doing? Uh, learning my solution and then learning everything I can about target buyers. The, the key thing is empathy. Uh, what sucks about their world that you can help with, I would spend all my time studying. Todd, which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? Well, I think the right answer to that is you should expect to win and hate to lose. But as you can probably tell from the beginning of this, my answer is expect to win, expect to lose, and learn, learn, learn. That's awesome. Uh, what's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Well, I'll tell you, there's three of them. Uh, number one is obviously the challenger sell. Uh, from an insight perspective, they've done the best job of capturing that. There's two other ones that I love that I keep going back to that are highlighted throughout. One is called The Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge. And then the other one is one by uh, Michael Bosworth and Ben Zoldan. It's called What Great Salespeople Do. Those are my three go-tos that I keep going back to. Uh, sales owners, if you'd like to check out Todd's suggestion of what great salespeople do for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. And there you can sign up for a 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book. 
Todd, what's the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? It's uh, develop an unquenchable thirst for learning. Uh, I've said it about a hundred times here, but you've got to have a passion for what you do, who you do it with, and who you do it for. And you know, develop an expertise, be a resource to your target customer. I'm going to get you out of here on this one. How could someone find you or connect with you if they wanted to after the show today? Well, you can find me. It's Todd Capone on LinkedIn, uh, also at T Capone on Twitter. And then I do have a blog that is at www.toddcapone.com. Todd, this has been very insightful. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. And thanks for having me. I truly enjoyed my conversation with Todd today. I love the fact that his answer to the win-loss question was the same as mine. I expect to win and therefore I hate to lose. That said, I want to get to my top takeaways. Number one, ask for time on the calendar. The best evidence a customer is truly engaged in the process is their willingness to put you in their calendar for another discussion. A lot of reps lose control of deals because they're not getting on their customer's calendar. And so before you hang up or step out of a meeting, make sure you secure that follow-up. Number two, develop a thirst for learning. Uh, To continue improving, you have to stay engaged in your own education, whether that's reading books, listening to podcasts like this, subscribing to trade magazines, or just participating in discussions. Uh, You have to stay current with your buyer and your industry. Number three, don't pounce. When you're handling objections, Even if you hear the same thing over and over, let the prospect believe that's the first time you've heard it and attempt to solve it specifically for them. What do I mean by this? Seek to clarify. Take a second, take a deep breath, and then address it. That's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions you'd like me to ask our guests, please tweet at me, at SalesTuners, or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. Be sure to sign up for our email list, where we send out expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right. I hope to see you next time. Until then, let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay